In today's show, I am joined by Mike Catron of Watching the Boxers. It's a podcast, fantasy basketball podcast. We're going to have a debate in a new series of shows. Michael Bolton, he wants to watch it go down. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd, and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram, at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on the ones that you do want to keep. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. So I want to try something new once a week. I'm going to get a rotating cast of fantasy basketball people into the show. And we're going to just debate some stuff. We're going to just talk about some topics across the fantasy basketball world. It's not going to be a super long show. You're going to get in, smash out some stuff, and talk about it on this show. Now, normally, I would do the uh, rankings of the top 20 players on a day like today. I'm just going to push that to tomorrow because we did the November awards. We're doing this. We're doing what to watch for. I don't want to overload you today. We'll push the best uh, players in fantasy basketball show until tomorrow. Um, but yeah, we're going to bring in Mike Catron of the Watching the Bo- Boxes podcast. So let's bring him in. All right, so here he is, the host, hey. as he's tra- talking over me. Mike, just <laughs> just ru- just ruining the start of things. That's ah, all good. Here he is, the uh, the host, as I said, of the Watching the Boxes podcast. Mike Catron is here. Mike, we are going to have a debate. But first, we're not going to debate about this because the question is, how are you? Doing all right. It's uh, getting a little colder here in Chicago, but the Bulls are winning, so it's all good. Well, that's uh, it's a shame that it's getting colder. It's heading into summer here. We are getting very warm and uh, some storms happening, but it's all right. We're, we're good. We're warm. We're heading into summer. It's a good time of year for us over here, but we're, we're not here to talk weather or to debate weather or to debate whether the Bulls are good or not, because they are good at this point, That's Mike. Right. Um, we're going to talk about trading in fantasy basketball, and there is a myth is the wrong word. It's a commonly held perspective, I guess, that goes around from a lot of people, but it's not adhered to very often because I'm sure you see it. I see it all the time where people will ask you questions about trades and there is very clearly one very good player in that deal, but people are still debating what they're going to do with it. So the question we're asking here is, does the best player, does the team getting the best player always win the trade? I think... If you are even not just a novice, because this is trade season right now, this is the time to be making trades to make your team better. Novice, advanced player, whatever. This rule applies to about 90 to 95% of trades. The best player in the trade, uh, whoever gets that player, wins the trade pretty much hands down almost all the time. Um, And kind of my logic behind that is is that uh, you can... If you're in a Roto League or if you're in a very specific type of league or if your team's really bad... Uh, maybe those are the exceptions to the rule. But um, when you get the best player in a trade, that player, and this is kind of like how I think about it, you get the player who takes up one roster spot, who does the things 
maybe he provides the stats of two players, two and a half players, or even just like 1.75 players, right? You only have a, a finite amount of roster spots on your roster. You only have a finite amount of starting spots on your roster. That player is taking up only one roster spot and giving you the production of two uh, or more players. While if you're getting a bunch of like mediocre or good, not great players back, you got to fit them in. They're taking up roster spots. And so you're still getting two good players, but you have two good players in one roster spot when you get the best player. Yeah, look, uh, in general, and, and there, there are a few things to talk about here. In general, Mike, I, I do agree with you. It is a very solid, basic rule to live by when doing trades. But I also think there is a number of things that need to be mentioned with this. And, and you're right. Like, if you get two players back in exchange for one, that means you have to cut somebody. Like, so it's not, you know, two for one trades aren't really two for one trades in fantasy because that's just not how rosters work. You are not like an NBA team that's going, well, we're going to run with 14 blokes instead of 15 because we want to stay behind below the luxury tax. If you have 13 roster spots, you're filling all 13 roster spots. This is never happening any other way. Or sometimes you could coordinate it. If you've got a guy in injured reserve, I'll slide him in there and then I'll take a two for one. I'll get that guy back to fill that area. But then again, you're still going to have to drop someone later on when that guy comes off injured reserve. So it's not as simple as, you know, we just, it's always, you're always going to have to drop someone basically is what I'm trying to say in that scenario. So that that is all true. But I think that if we're going to look, drill down at this, it is a very good, it's a very, very good basic rule, Mike, and I adhere to it in general. And it's not almost, if someone asks me a trade question, I'm going to evaluate the first thing I look at and go, is there a clear best player in this deal? And then yeah. in general, without digging into it, that's the side that's going to win. But I do think there are limitations to that. And I'll tell you what they are, I reckon, here. Because, again, we can all start with basic stuff, and there'll be pe people who are beginners in fantasy who are watching this, and they should take this rule, and they should really just stick it into their back pocket. And every time they're doing a trade, they should be looking at this and going, d d d which side am I on? Am I on the good side of getting the best player? If you're a basic beginner fantasy player. But let me ask you this question, Mike. How do you determine who the best player is? Now, that's... And actually, much more interesting question, right? So you can't. I don't think you can go by um, just pure rankings. That helps, right? Um, but I think if you're in, especially two to one trades or you know multiple players in a trade, there's always kind of a, a best player on the board. I think anybody who's in that top twenty-five, um, if there's no one else kind of like a peer to that player, it's an obvious type of uh, best player. But when you talk about kind of like even trades, best player becomes a little bit more subjective. And I think this might be where you're headed is that sub that subjectiveness when you got like maybe the 11th best player and the 12th best player kind of next to each other, one's a big, one's a guard. The best player ends up becoming the best player for your team, which is also, uh, I, I think, does fall into the rule of thumb for almost, I would say. Um, but I think that could be the, the exception to the rule where you could, if you need a big and your team is garbage um, in, in bigs, that that player becomes more valuable, even if he's not the best player. Uh, I still think, though, you, you could be hurting yourself in the long term if you don't end up with the best player. Yeah, but this is something that I, people in draft season, people say, oh, you just take the best of, of a player available. But there's no there's no definite on that. Like, best player yeah. available is not a... This guy is the 70th best player and the next guy is the 71st best player and that will never change ever in the history of the world. That doesn't happen, yes. right? There is nothing like that at all. And I think that that rule, if we're looking at the top 10 guys maybe, you know, Curry, Jokic, Harden, Durant, you know, th those guys, Paul George, Towns, 
you got to throw in someone like LaMelo Ball at this point. You've got to throw in um, probably Jimmy Butler into that mix, Giannis, Anthony Davis. All right, those guys, all right, they're going to be the best player in the deal. But say, like, at the moment, the 13th-ranked player in category leagues is Fred Van Vliet, right? Um, but say you were trading Fred Van Vliet for Zach Levine and Rudy Gobert. The overall value, like, if I'm using like Z-score numbers here, we're talking like, okay, the, the Levine and Gobert, it gets you 0.77. Van Vliet mm-hmm. is 0.55. So the overall value of those two guys is significantly higher. Yet, you know, you're never going to find that gap of a waiver wire guy to make up that difference. But you know, Van Vliet is allegedly the best player available in that deal. So if we're just using a blanket rule, and I think most people would say that for this season, Fred Van Vliet is probably going to be the best player out of that group. Or even if we said it was Van Vliet for, let's say, someone who struggled. Van, say Fred Van Vliet for Bradley Beal and John yeah. Collins, who are two third-round players this year, where Van Vliet's basically a fringe first. Like, who, How do you determine who the best player is there? Yeah, that, that's when it comes down. That's why these uh, questions about trading is so hard to answer when people ask. It's is that is so, sub, is so subjective, and it's always like, who's the person you're going to drop is, is always the first question. Um, I, I, I mean, I would find it hard to find someone who's going to trade like two very great players for another kind, like barely better player. So it's like if we're, uh, that's going to be a very hard uh, trade to find in in any sort of league, I think. Um, but when you do that two for one, I still think that logic applies. While you're getting two better players, you're still dropping somebody on your on your back end, and that overall value, right? It's really going to depend on your middle players. Who are you? Who's really truly replacing here? Are you streaming four players, and now you're only going to be able to stream three players or two players? Um, like those are the kind of in, the ancillary questions that you ask after who's getting the best player in, the, in this deal. And I think if you can answer those, and all of those ancillary questions that you answer are like, this is better for me. This is better for me. This is better for me. But I'm not getting the best player. That's probably the only time you pulled the trigger on a on a trade where you're not getting the best player. We'll get back. To, we're going to get back to that streaming point in just a second. But because before we do that, like, Mike, have you ever had anyone like you've, someone stolen your Netflix and you end up paying for them to to keep using it? Oh yeah, all every day. Well, I reckon I've got something just for you, Mike. It's called Truebill. It is the new app that helps you find the subscriptions that you forgot about, that you don't want to keep, and that you just want to cancel because it's so hard to cancel subscriptions at times. Truebill makes it incredibly easy. On average, people save up to 720 bucks a year using Truebill. Because companies make those subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill slides in and makes it incredibly easy. Just one tap and bang, you're done. And the Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. The streaming point is really interesting in a trade because, again, if you get the one, and I'm going to debate the other side of this argument, if you get the one player back, it's not about if I add this one waiver wire player, does that make up the difference? Because I think you've got to look at the value, and this accounts in points leagues too. Say your waiver wire player on a points league, let's just use a number of 20%, right? not 20%, I've jumped ahead. 20 fantasy points. The guy you're adding off the waiver wire is 20 fantasy points. So you go, okay, well, my guy averages 50. Um, I can get 20 off the waiver wire. Therefore, if I'm giving up 235 average players, then yeah, that, that ends up being an even deal for me. But you've got to always look, I think, at those guys available on the waiver wire and add that 20% that I mentioned because 
that player that you add, instead of playing them 3.7 times per week, which is an average NBA uh, games per week played usually, you can actually stream that roster spot and maybe get five games per week out of it. You might get five and a half games per week out of it. So creating that ability to take flyers on guys, to take have a crack at, hey, look, Anthony Simons, let's bring him in because Lillard's out. Then we can move on from him and then we bring in the next guy and then we play it for the schedule. Is that we? It's not just a simple the waiver wire guy comes in and sits there for the rest of the year. Like that guy can be turned over a hundred times. He can be turned over five times per week if you've got that many acquisitions. And that is the extra boost. And that is also one of those advantages of getting that the one with a one player in a deal because it does enable you to get not just one player to, but to bring in four or five different guys over the span of a two-week period and try and figure out how it fits. Yeah, that's pretty fair. I think when if you're talking about anyone outside of the top 75, 80, like to me, they fall uh, into that potential streaming. I mean, it depends on the size of your league, right? In a standard league, I I'm happy to stream anyone under that kind of like 80 mark because I really feel like those players start to plateau. I, I do it place. about I do about 110 maybe 120. Okay, I'm, I'm much higher, I guess. Okay, because I I just look at it like you've got 10 roster active roster spots in a 12 man league. That's 120 players usually. Yeah. Um, you're very rarely going to be streaming four guys in on your roster. But yeah, I think that if you drafted someone at pick 80 and they're the 120th ranked player now and they're struggling, like don't be afraid to cut that guy. Like who cares? Like if he does end up coming back to being the 80th best player, that's not a big loss if you have to deal with him being 180th. I'm looking at you, Karis Levert, 180th for the last you know five weeks. Like that's not a big loss, I don't think. Yeah, I, I'm I'm very curious of where that Indiana experiment goes. They it feels like they should be better, right? Uh, they should be, yeah, but things are just... Uh, I think the parts and pieces they have on that team are not really what Rick Carlisle works best with, and it's enabling guys like Sabonis to have down years and Levert to be just completely lost. Yeah, Brogdon's thriving. I think Miles Turner's having yeah. probably best year of his career, but the other two guys are way off, especially Levert. McConnell's out now. I, I don't know. They're very loath, I think, to make in-season trades, but we'll, we'll see where that goes. But that's a that's another question for yeah. another day on their Indiana Pacers. Um, I did have one more point that I was going to bring up on, uh, on trade. Oh, here we go. This is what it was. Mike, what do you think? Now, in general, my my response, and people will disagree with me on this all the time. I'm interested to see whether you disagree. If you send me a trade where you say, I'm sending these four players for the other team's f- four players, I just immediately say you, you've lost the trade because it's just too much happening. That is a third of your team going out and another and four new blokes coming in that it is almost, and people will say, well, there's got to be a winner and a loser in a trade, and I disagree. I think in that situation, you're both losers. And it's very, very hard to create winning um winning values in deals where you're going for anything more than a two for two, in my opinion. If you're including six players in a deal, eight players in a deal, I honestly don't... like. How do you determine the best player? How do you work out that value? The structure of your team has changed completely. The variance you introduce in that, because players aren't static, right? They'll come in and they say, well, I think he's going to be this guy. I think he's going to be the 50th best player, but he might be the 80th. He might be the 10th. And you times that variance by eight, it's just it's just a shit show. I think that anytime you do a trade like that, you lose. But all of you yeah. lose. The whole league loses. Everyone loses. Yeah, I mean, it might be easier if you're in like a points league, which I don't recommend playing. If, if you're talking about a category league, then, the variance is far too high. Even then, the variance in a points league, like you go, well, these guys are averaging 40 points. Then they have a streak where he averages 60 and he averages 30. Like it's it goes all over the place. Like it's it's just it's too much of a variation to trade a literal third of your roster 
um, away for another third of a Rossi, just in- introducing so many more variables to me. And I think it's part of it is people love being fake GMs and they love the idea of trading and that urge to trade is just so high in so many fantasy players that you're you, we've gone a bit off topic here but that's fine we're talking trades in general yeah. the uh, my first urge Mike in any time if I get a trade offer my first response is no right I won't yeah. necessarily say it but I look at it and go no that is that trade is rejected that is my well, first response right Think about it, right? If someone's offering you a trade, there is a reason for that, right? Yeah. So like they're offering you a trade simply because they're either trying to offload somebody and they're certainly not like, oh, I'm probably like, you know, giving a little too much in this trade. So I'm going to offer it immediately. That's never like, I don't think I've ever gotten a trade uh, outside of like just like straight up mistakes or someone who doesn't know what they're doing where I've been like, oh, how quickly can I click this button? Yeah, exactly. So you, your first response, your first instinct, I guess, maybe more than response should be no. Like, I'm not doing this trade. And look into it and go, well, maybe. Is, is this guy a dickhead? Has he done something completely crazy? And then you can look at it. But your first response shouldn't be, hey, trade, let's go, let's do it. We love making trades. We're going to go in and we're going to negotiate and we're going to do that. You're going you're gonna to screw up so many times if, you're, if your first instinct isn't reject. Like, that's what you've got to have in your head. And then you work. You've got to convince yourself to do it rather than convince yourself to not do it. I think that is... I don't know if that's the most important rule to me versus get the best player in a deal. I think I think it probably is. My, the, the fir- your first instinct is convince yourself to do the trade, not talk yourself out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's I think you got to approach it as a negotiation, right? Uh, the initial offer is never the best offer, no matter who's uh, your initial offer, their initial offer. It should not be the best offer, or else you made a, a pretty poor negotiation. I would say I got a question for you. Do you think it's rude if you get a mediocre to decent like a real offer to not counter offer because i get in this debate all the time i have some people in my leagues who love to trade and they get really upset if i don't counter offer them and i'm like you know sometimes i don't want to have like six counter offers a week mm. but if you're just kind of getting like a rate of a, a, a good faith trade i think a counter offer is appropriate yeah i i i agree with that but mike i reckon we're going to be getting ready to wrap this up but i've got one final question for you I'm going to need you, off, off air, of course, I'm going to need you to give me uh, your address because I've got the perfect Christmas gift for you. And that is the gift oh. of Bilt Bar. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Forget other Christmas presents. Why wouldn't you want something that's not only going to be delicious, but also healthy? And it's going to fuel you for all of the punch-ons and fights you're going to get into at the mall getting other presents. You need that energy. You need that boost. And Built Bar is going to bring it to you. If you want someone to stuff a bar into your stocking, I'm here to do that job right for you, Mike. And Built has all of the great flavors. So head to Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Find all the delicious flavors. Chuck them to your family. Get them to your kids. Give them to strangers on the street. Go and dress up with a fake white beard and a red hat at a mall and pass them out to kids. I'm sure you won't get into any trouble for that because Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. So go to Built.com and use that promo code LOCKED15 and discover the deliciousness of the holiday season through Built Bar. Mike, thank you for coming on to the podcast today and uh, beginning the series of debate podcasts that we're having. Tell me what you thought of this show down in the comments below um, and let me know what other topics you might want us to do next week when we get other guests coming on and Michael will be back in a rotation system over the coming weeks. Mike, tell people your Twitter and what other what other shit you do as well. Of course, yeah. Matt, watch the boxes on Twitter. We have the Watching the Boxes podcast with my good friend Tyler P. Watts at Tyler P. Watts on Twitter as well. Uh, follow the show. If you like this show, you probably like our show. We talk about fantasy basketball. Um, so I appreciate you having me on, Josh, and I'll see you next time. Guys, 
Thanks, Mike, for coming on. Uh, Really, really appreciate it. So that'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Thumb it up. Leave your comments, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.